This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. You know, I want to speak to you about the Westminster Confession of Faith. And as I've been thinking about the whole thing, the theme, the contents, the backgrounds, the biggest thing, the hardest thing for me is to think about how should I present the massive content to you in a digestible, edifying, intriguing, therefore interesting way so that you would not neglect what God has given to His church, the confession, and make that into your daily spiritual life. So last week, I began by giving you a showcase to prove to you what the confession can do as they summarize what a biblical marriage looks like. And when you have to deal with many different issues in the world, for the LGBTQ+, so many things, ideas, they come at us. But the confession summarizes uh, biblical facts, under certain headings. So that's what I did last week. Today, I once again do not want to jump into the confession right away. But I want to point out to you this fact that the confession, not Westminster Confession, but confessing Christ, the confession lies at the heart of Christian life and discipleship. The Westminster Confession of Faith is but an example of that. It is an extension of that Christ-confessing tradition in the church. Church has been doing that from the inception of um, its existence, history. So, I want to emphasize today that confessing Christ really lies at the heart of Christian life and discipleship. That is my thesis. Remember that. With that, if you will look at the text again, let me explain a few things from this text. Matthew 10 32 says, therefore, everyone will stop. Everyone. There is that full, free offer of the gospel. Everyone. There's no discrimination here. It is everyone. It is open to everyone who confesses me. So, it is open to everyone. But the word, next word that I want you to pay attention to is everyone who 
confesses. Who confesses? ESV translates that word as acknowledges. Everyone who acknowledges me before men. But the translation should be confessing. The word is homo logio, logese. Basically, homo means the same. Logos, the word, speaking. So confession here means saying the same thing. So when you confess here, according to the Bible, you do not invent new ideas. You say the same thing as the Bible, the Word of God, teaches you the content of the truth. So that's very important. And one portion of passage that I could bring to you is 2 Timothy. Paul speaks to Timothy. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What he's saying to that young man, Timothy, is you don't have to come up with new things. Continue in the things that you have learned from your youth, from your parents, from your mother and grandmother. So, confessing is basically saying the same thing as the Word of God. What the Word of God is saying. We confess. We say the same thing. So, the gospel content to confess, the content has to be handed down to the next generation. We do not inherit someone's faith. Just because our parents are believers it does not mean you are automatically going to go to heaven. Each person is called to repent and believe. So we do not inherit faith. But we do inherit the content of the truth, the Bible, that all that is handed down to us. But think about liberal churches. Think about Unitarian churches. There are so many churches that do not believe the same thing as we do, even though we have the same Bible. So it is not the matter whether you have the Bible or not, but what do you say about the same Bible that we have? We have, may have different translations, but we have the same Bible. But how come that church denies the divinity of Christ? How come that church says there are still apostles here and now? See, we, we believe in different things, even though we have the same Bible. It's because of our sinfulness and people twist the truth. So it is important that we learn what the Bible is actually saying and the content is handed down to us in, if I could put it this way, let's say for us, for our tradition, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Jude 1.3 says this, You contend, that is, you fight for this, you contend earnestly 
for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. So you fight for the faith that you received from your forefathers in the faith. You do not come up with new things. So, theology, rightly done, you shouldn't come up with new things because everything that we need to know about our salvation is already there. You do not come up with new theology. You could have a better perspective on certain passages. But reinvention of all these new ideas, we have to be very careful about those. Because the faith that we need to believe and to be saved, it is once and for all, it is done. There's nothing new. No new revelations. Everything is here. With that, if you will look at next word, everyone who confesses what here? Me. Me is the content. Me. Who is me here? Obviously, Jesus. He is saying, therefore, everyone who confesses me. So, for the sake of our coming discussions on the Westminster Confession of Faith, what does it mean to confess Christ? You have to ask. Therefore, everyone who confesses me, Jesus. So immediately you have to know who Jesus is. And then you ask, is he God or man? Why? Why do I have to confess? Why? If I don't confess, what happens? So then you have to go back to the original sin. So, to confess me, to confess Christ, you need to have knowledge. And to truly confess, you need to give an assent to that knowledge. And you have to believe and trust. So they are there, the true knowledge, assent, and trust. Three aspects of saving knowledge, saving faith. So, to confess Christ, at the minimum, you need to know you need to give an assent, and you need to trust. Trust. Because even Satan knows, the devil knows who Christ is. They have the information. But what they lack, the Satan lacks, is their love and trust for Christ. They hate him, but they know. So true knowledge of Christ, to confess Christ, you need to know. Um, and obviously, there's a minimum knowledge to know Christ. He's a Savior. He's Son of God. But as we will see, we do not want to stay at that minimum level. You could spend rest of your life knowing the very basics of Christianity. But that's not, I don't think, what you want for your life. Very superficial knowledge of Christ that never satisfies anyone's thirst, spiritual thirst. So, what I am saying is, Westminster Confession of Faith 
is a necessary consequence for the people who truly want to know everything there is to know about who Christ is, who are serious about confessing Christ from the attacks from the world, from within, defending the faith, why that is not the case, why this is the case, using the scriptures, and that's part of our tradition. Good one. When you think about it, when Jesus came, when you look at the, 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 the Gospels, what is it about? It's not there to simply to give us some information about Jesus who was born here and there. And yes, they are important. But as you know, as the story progresses in the Gospels, His revelation brings out better confession from the disciples. In the beginning of that, those uh, Gospels, they're confused. They don't know who Jesus is. They just follow Him. But through the events, through the teaching, they slowly come to realize who Christ is. It really is about confessing Christ better. So, the apex of that story comes to us in Matthew 16. And Jesus is always curious, and he asks this question to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember that? What is that? Isn't that a confession of faith? Prior to that, they didn't confess that. But in Matthew 16, Peter says that. Who do you say that I am? Tell me, what do you believe about me? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? He does not say A+, everything's okay now. But he says it in this way. He said to him, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So his confession, Jesus says, it is not from your... You, you, you just couldn't come up with that kind of statement. It is given to you by God. So he gives glory to God. And with that confession, Jesus says, this is the church. My church will be built upon that confession. So... Confessing Christ is at the heart of everything that we do as Christians and as a church. Therefore, everyone who confesses me, me, the content. But here, let's read the next one. Before man. Because probably in coming weeks I will talk more about the content, me. Christ. Today I want to focus on this, this section, before man. Really the focus in this verse, in this section, is about confessing Christ before man. What happens if you do that? 
Jesus says, He promises, I will also confess Him. Probably that's why ESV wanted to translate it into acknowledge Him because Christ confessing us seems odd, but it is confessing. If you confess me before men, I will also confess that person before my Father who is in heaven. So what the the, the focus here is public declaration of allegiance by a disciple. Basically owning Christ in public. That's something that I want to say today. You know, I used to go to Baptist church when I was in college. And what Baptist church does, many of Southern Baptist churches do every Sunday, is to call people to the front. I don't know if you grew up in a Baptist church. There are so many different kinds of Baptist churches too. But uh, but main Southern Baptist churches, they always do altar calling. You come to the front. You, you make decision for Christ. I've said it many times, in and of itself, that is not Arminianism. Making a decision is not, because that faith comes from God. And everyone has to believe for himself or for herself. Nobody else is going to do that. Uh, so when I asked somebody at the time, why, why do you do that? One of the proof texts that that person gave me was this text. Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before man, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. So, so you walk down the aisle in front of everyone, making a public declaration of your faith in Christ. Then Father will acknowledge, Christ will acknowledge you before his Father in heaven. Proof text for their practice. But, you go and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. The context before man is not that. Before man is not here. Before man is referring to a hostile, hostile world out there. And this is what a disciple is supposed to do. So Matthew 10 is about the discipleship. So Matthew 10 begins with this verse. Summoning his 12 disciples, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. And it talks about what they are supposed to do. Jesus sent them out, and and let me just read from verse 24. I don't know if you have your Bibles with you. That is why it is always important that we zoom out and read the context. What does it mean? What What is Jesus saying here by saying, you need to confess me before men? Does that mean you have to walk down the aisle? In certain sense, I guess so, because that is public. But the context is not that. And let me read from verse 24. And if you have your Bibles, you could open it up there. But if not, just listen. And try to see the flow of his thoughts here. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. 
It is enough for the disciple. Emphasis again is about disciple. That he becomes like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Verse 26, 10, 26 says, Therefore do not fear them. Who are them here? People who are accusing the disciples. Therefore do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetop. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him, that is God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Verse 31, so do not Fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Our text is verse 32. But the preceding talk that Jesus gives to his disciples is what? Do not fear. Do not fear them. Do not fear the world. They malign you. They attack you. They drag you. They try to kill you. But do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Because God cares even for the sparrows. Three times. And you come to verse 32 and you read, Therefore, in connection to what I've been telling you, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men. What does that mean then? It's not walk down the aisle. But in front of the world that is trying to destroy you, do not fear, but own me, confess me, acknowledge me, identify yourself with me. That's the point. So Christians, we live on the two fronts. One is before the face of God, Koram Deo, but also in front of the, not the world that loves us, not the world that praises us, but the world that is trying to kill you and destroy you. And in that setting, what Christ demands from you and me is to confess Him. Say the same thing. And do not fear, because they are not able to destroy your soul. But if you deny me, if you disown me, then you are in danger of hellfire yourself. So do not bow down to the worldly Pressure, but you stand firm, you confess me before man, then I will confess you. So, what 32 is saying is the promise of Christ that it is Christ who praised 
God and also Peter for his confession. It is Christ who assembled his twelve, he called his twelve disciples and he sent them out. And he's giving them what to expect from the world. This is what you're supposed to do when you go out to evangelize so as, as mission teams. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, but confess me. So what is church? Church is Christ confessing covenant community. That's it. That's church. Christ, people believe in different things about Christ, but really all that Bible teaches us and what we describe as orthodoxy. We do not deny Christ's divinity, virgin birth, physical resurrection, all of those truths that we hold dear in our hearts, we confess that. Church is Christ confessing covenant community. Remember book of Acts 2, chapter 2, when the Spirit came on the Pentecost, church spills out into the streets. People are asking, what's happening? Are they drunk? Or they are speaking in my language and they are puzzled. But 14, verse 14, But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. And what does he say? He preaches Christ. That's church. From the inception, they didn't do it in secret room. It basically, all the content was a public knowledge. Christ was crucified in public. Now in Acts chapter 2, church begins not hiding from the Jews. In the beginning, initially, yes. But with the Spirit's coming, the boldness and courage also came within disciples' hearts, their hearts, and they came out and they proclaimed Christ. And the rest is the history. You know. You know what happened afterwards. Persecution. What happens? People die. People run away. Some people stay behind. And whenever they are, wherever they are scared, scattered, they proclaim Christ. The church expands using the persecution and all of that. So church is Christ confessing covenant community. What is a Christian life? Christian life begins with a confession. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. By the way, this word is the same Greek word. Same word. Confessing. Same word everywhere. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. That's the minimum. That's the glorious minimum knowledge that saves a sinner. That Jesus is Lord, that you believe that he was raised from the dead. He's Son of God. He died on my behalf, was raised from the dead. Believing in Christ and his works, death and resurrection. If you confess, then you will be saved. If you don't confess, you are not a Christian. So a person becomes a Christian by confessing Christ. He maintains his identity by confessing Christ still. Listen to 1 John 4.15. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. It is not simply one-time deal, but union and communion with God is established and maintained by confessing Christ continually, continuously. You do not retreat. You do not take it back. But nobody's perfect, so we sin. So when we sin, how do we get back on track? By confessing our sins. If, again, if you do that, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, who is a Christian? Someone who confesses Christ as Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead. That's Christian. That's how you begin your Christian life. You maintain that by not denying Christ, but you continue to profess and confess Christ. If you sin, what do you do? You do not deny Christ, but you confess your sins and come back to God and and reestablish that connection and relationship with God. So entire Christian life is about confessing Christ. Church is about confessing Christ. In coming weeks, I would like to deal with how did the church confess Christ? What happened a long time ago? I don't want to begin in the 15th or 16th century, but go back to the 2nd century. 80, 100 to 200, that 2nd century. What happened? Very similar to our situation, uh, the 2nd century, and we could gain some insights. And we'll talk about various aspects, how and why the confession of faith that we have, why that is important, how it came to be, in, which, in what ways can we, can we benefit from it. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to talk all about that. But today, know that. Last week, we talked about marriage. Pressure is on us, on you, who you who have to mingle with non-believing world every day. That's your boss, colleagues, friends that you cannot escape from. Church and Christians who faithfully confessed Christ. It was through them that the church grew and expanded. I cannot know every single situation, but I am sure this verse will speak to you. Uh, Not so much about writing such a deep theological Um, confession or statements. But as we believe in Christ, Christ is telling all of us to confess Him before men. 
Is it wise to, is it wise to, in the underground churches, is it wise to then confess Christ in front of everyone? I had once a student who came, who spent uh, a few years in Saudi Arabia as a young, young boy. Uh, whose parents were working in one of these oil companies and he spent his young, early teenage years in Saudi. He was a Christian. So is it wise for them to just go into the streets and start preaching Christ? I don't know. Um, you pay dearly. But one thing is for sure. When it comes down to this moment, we need to pray to God that God would give you courage. Confessing Christ is a courageous act of faith. It has, it has been that way for 2,000 years. Every situation, you look into every church history segment, you will find People who deny Christ under pressure, but they will, you will also find people basically giving their lives for that confession. They will not disown Christ, but they will remain faithful to Christ. I pray that would be the case for all of us. Owning and proclaiming Christ in public by His grace. Let's pray.